This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephan Cox. As we continue our programming on messaging and motivation, I thought it'd be a great idea to check in with our friend, Reed McCollum. He is the founder of Postcards to Swing States, which is now part of the Progressive Turnout Project. And this Thursday, January 27th, they're gonna be hosting an online event with messaging expert, Anat Shankar Asaria, a very big deal, to discuss how to drive democratic turnout for this year's most crucial of elections. And so with that, we welcome back our friend, Reed McCollum. Reed, how are you, man? I'm doing really well. It's so great to be back on the podcast. I think it was it was just before the pandemic when we connected, when Postcards to Swing States was uh, mostly still an idea in my head out of my garage. And um, we've made a lot of progress since then. 29 million postcards since then, man. That is huge. Congratulations. And a democratic trifecta. In the- <laughs> and a democratic trifecta. Exactly. Well, so a lot of what you do is focused on messaging. And as I said in the intro, this is really where the, the program is, is putting a lot of its focus right now. You've been posting a great deal about how you feel like we should stop focusing on the instructionism from mansion and cinema and really start uh, uh, focusing a lot more on what we need to do to defend the House and expand the Senate majority in the fall. Hard agree on both. First, I'll just ask you, how are you thinking about the stakes of this year's election? I think it's been, for me, clear for a while that our um, our focus was unlikely to be productive with mansion and with cinema in terms of the movement we needed to have the majority get rid of the filibuster and i think we've we've made tremendous um progress in terms of moving sort of democrats in general and elected democrats towards the concept we've made that a normal concept is just sort of can't make progress without eliminating the filibuster um but it's clear now i think if it wasn't already that the path to do that is is focusing on names like ron johnson marco rubio the open Senate seats in Pennsylvania and North Carolina, and let's go get the Democratic majority that we need so that Joe Manchin isn't in the way of the progress that we have to have. I love that. I think that's exactly right. Um, I'll also ask you, because something else that you're speaking to online is just this this worry, I think, and uh, p- people were just very, very concerned about these midterms. And I think they're so concerned that it's driving people essentially to inaction right now. You're, you know, th- this is something that you work very hard to counter. What are some of the ways that you think we can get people motivated, either through messaging or otherwise? I, I think that's a key question. I think back to after Trump was elected, the initial emotion that drove so many to activism was anger. We were just outraged at um, how we got to that point. And then people went to marches, the Women's March. They met neighbors in their community. They formed grassroots groups. And then we had this sense of overwhelming power that we had to make a difference. And a lot of the social science research sort of tells us that those are really the two key Um, emotions that trigger activism. It is anger and it is enthusiasm. And there is a lot to be sort of anxious and worried about. But unfortunately, fear and anxiety is the emotion that drives people away from activism. Uh, And it's also not a good message for voters because nobody wants to be on the losing team that tells them that everything is going wrong and everything's falling apart and the other side is going to steal the election no matter what we do. So Um, You know, that is important to sort of acknowledge the reality of where we are, but to really focus on sort of, you know, um, what what the stakes are for each other, why we're here, um, and the fact that we really can make a difference. Everything that we've done in the last five years has proven that. 
I think there's plenty to get angry about uh, right now. Uh, the enthusiasm perhaps will come, but as you say, fear and anxiety really do drive people away from activism. And you know, I'll just ask you kind of a larger question here. With each of us essentially being our own media generators across various platforms, how do you look at the tone that each of us sets online with the things that we post? This is where, you know, I, you mentioned Anat Shankar Soria, who we'll have on for our um, our webinar. But I mean, I've just absorbed her latest podcast, Words to Win By, and it and it it rings so true the message that she delivers that you that you read a lot in social science about, you know, you want to project what you're for, and we want to get our message out about what we stand for as Democrats, um, and we accidentally too often just amplify the most egregious sort of conservative voices that are out there. Um, and, you know, there is an important counter narrative to the, the right wing sort of sort of message, but it's, it's, it's framed around sort of what are our values? You know, what's the problem? Like, why, what, are, what is the motivation behind the lie that they're telling? And then bring it back to sort of the, the call to action. So, um, you know, I've absorbed a lot of that. It, it rings entirely true. And, it, and it's really like, you know, we have only a certain amount of real estate to, to sort of share what we're all about. Um, and we need to do a lot more of that than, than sort of just reacting to the, the shock and awe sort of stuff that Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and other Republicans, all, basically all the Republicans are doing almost all the time. Yeah, here, here. Uh, and and I, I, it, it's something that I think about all the time. And it's just it's so easy to get lost in doom scrolling and all the rest of it. And I will just say for, you know, for uh, audience members who, who know this about me, I took the month of December off. And that was uh, a, a revelatory experience because I wasn't on social media. So I wasn't absorbing those messages uh, as, as as much as I, I had been before. And honestly, I have to say it made a huge difference. Um, let's let's talk next about uh, postcards to swing states, because as you mentioned, when you were back uh, on the show in 2020, we talked a little bit about the metrics. That was before 29 million uh, postcards were sent out, which is, again, just huge and awesome. What do we know now about the impact of postcards? So we know a lot more than we did then. We've done numerous sort of randomized controlled experiments that measure how effective postcards are. Um, and the messages that we that we've used on postcards, we've tested them against one another. So we tested five different messages over the course of 2020, both in the Wisconsin primary, which was that first campaign that we had um, that I shared with you sort of, you know, back at the beginning of 2020, uh, and in the general election when we when we elected Joe Biden. So we know with a huge amount of statistical power how many additional voters we got to turn out, and it was thousands in the key states that Biden won. Um, and the, the impact of the postcards is similar to handwritten letters, which I also recommend, and there's great programs that do that. So I think broadly, the, you know, the Democratic sort of organizations, progressive groups um, have sort of really acknowledged that handwritten messages to voters can be really effective. And they're an important part of our arsenal, both to recruit new people to activism, but also to win important elections. Well, yeah, I mean, in a post that you had uh, written on Medium, I believe it was, uh, data scientists found that postcards increased turnout by 1.2% among voters who received the postcards. That's enough to swing in a very close election, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of the uh, voter engagement that we do, especially as volunteers, makes a difference. 
um, in in close elections, and it's it it was the margin of difference in in Biden's election um, between our work and many many other organizations that are leveraging volunteers all over the country, um, and that's that's reassuring because we have the power to um, to deliver the right message to voters to really mobilize them and convince them that that they need to stay plugged in, and especially as we go into the midterm cycle. Um, Biden had 81 million votes. That will be enough for us to win all these close elections if we get a, a really high percentage of those folks to come back out to the polls. I want to talk about how we're going to motivate them. And I know that's going to be a big focus of the event that you're doing on Thursday. But, but I want to follow up on something that you, you've now mentioned a couple of times, which is the various messages that get written on postcards. And I've done the postcard projects. And I know that the message that I get is is different from, say, like you know, the postcards that get sent to my mom, for example. And we kind of compared notes. She's writing something very different. How do you craft those messages? And I guess another question would be why the difference between them? So we lean on the data that's out there that is the the best practices for what we know engages voters. And there's a lot of um, evidence, you know, not just handwritten messages to voters, but sort of how political mail can increase turnout. Um, So we lean on that. Then we innovate and we test sort of specific versions of those messages. Um, And as there are other messaging frameworks uh, that are that are popular. We'll, we'll we test those as well. So, like I said, in 2020, we tested five messages. It was some combination of refining best practices and innovating, and measuring, and then sharing um, different messages. And you know, we do use a message framework called social pressure that um, leans into that idea that um, sort of voting is a social norm. It's an expectation. And we want to make sure that we give volunteers options in terms of messages so that everybody's comfortable writing, writing a message, um, you know, because volunteers are really what, what drives this. Here, here, absolutely right. And I, I know that, you know, and you and I have discussed this before about how um, postcards can really be kind of a, a gateway drug, for want of a better term, to getting more active and involved for people, for people who are maybe just kind of getting their feet wet uh, in terms of, of activism. Is there any research, anecdotal or otherwise, on how postcarding works in that way and, and gets people to, to get more involved? It is, I would describe it, an overwhelming amount of anecdotal evidence <laughs> and testimonials from from um, all over the country. And just a couple sort of, you know, examples that bring it home. Um, we've gotten sort of, you know, emails from moms that have three kids at home and full-time jobs. And they were like, I couldn't believe that I agreed when my friend asked me to write postcards and I thought it was just one more thing to do. And then it became like a daily vitamin where it's like every evening, you know, while the kids were doing homework after dinner, I would do five to 10 postcards. And it just, that feeling of like, I'm taking action is huge. Yesterday I heard of um, a grandmother in a retirement home who's 93 and she um, learned about it through somebody else in her retirement home. And she's not gonna be out knocking doors, but she can do postcards and it is so empowering to do that. Um, and then grassroots groups all over the country that recruit new members. It's the first ask that they use to bring you know, people in and, and the network just grows. So, so many groups use it as sort of a recruitment tool um, and then sustained engagement. Um, and then for, for the people that, that are interested in that, it's a great launch pad for us. Like, you know, will you go out and knock doors with us um, this weekend? But if you're in a deeply, deeply blue part of the country and you really do want to have an impact on the Wisconsin Senate race, 
um, you're into remote activism and postcards are a phenomenal tool, even if you don't live, um, you know, no matter where you live in the country. I have a feeling you probably sold some people on the prospect right now who may not have ever done postcarding before or who may know somebody who they think would be a, a good uh, person, a good prospect uh, to do postcarding. So how, how does it work if people want to get involved? So our website is postcardstoswingstates.com. And our typical project is, our, our typical program is that we pay to print and ship the postcards to volunteers. So uh, we make it as easy as possible to sign up. You pick the state, you pick the message, and we will mail you the postcards. You have usually months, depending on when we launch, have an election to write a scripted message. Uh, we mail you the voter addresses on paper and instructions so you basically have everything that you need that arrives at your door with plenty of time to do that uh, volunteers have to provide the stamps and that's a huge contribution to, to activism right there so we try to make everything else as easy as possible uh, we tell you when to mail them to voters so um, for our you know midterm program the the, the big program that we're going to do this year will launch in may and we'll start with seven senate states um, and I, I can talk more about what those are, but essentially like you'll you have- You can tick them down actually. I think people would be very curious. What are the seven states you're gonna focus on? So there are four Senate states that have a democratic incumbent that are close races that we have to defend. That is Arizona, Georgia, New Hampshire, and Nevada. Um, that's to maintain the 50 seat majority that we have right now. Wisconsin and Pennsylvania are two states that Biden won, where we have an opportunity to add a democratic Senator. Um, and then we also are, are targeting North Carolina. Um, um, and those are the seven that we're starting out with right now. And then we'll see how the year unfolds. And, it, and we may end up adding uh, more states in addition to, you know, many of the contested house races, hopefully. Excellent. Outstanding work all the way around, man. So let's talk about this online event, uh, which is the reason why I brought you on uh, to, uh, to to give people a preview. So we're going to be hearing from Annette Schenker Asario with this event. Um, I, I think she is absolutely amazing, probably one of the best messaging people uh, at work right now. For those who may not be familiar, just tell us a little bit about her. She is, I call her a communications guru. She's a, she's a consultant. Um, you know, her organization's ASO Communications and uh, she has a phenomenal podcast out called Words to Win By. She's presented to the Progressive Caucus. Um, she's shown, she's been on MSNBC, New York Times. Um, and, you know, I first learned of Anat Shankar Sorio's work through, I think, a Swing Left webinar a few years ago. But um, one of the really interesting areas of research uh, that, that she focuses on right now is race class narrative, which is a great framework that allows us to have a a data-driven response to sort of the right-wing narrative that sort of um, divides and then turns people against government, largely by, um, you know, the Southern strategy of, of sort of, you know, uh, racial resentment in this, in this country. And, you know, I mentioned data, and that's important. Her research is, is all data-driven, and a lot of it is, uh, you know, focus groups where they do um, dial testing to, to really understand sort of how voters respond to to different messages. And, you know, she'll do a much, much better job sort of summarizing some of this um, at our online event on Thursday. And she's actually helped us develop some of the messages that we're testing um, this year, which I'm really excited about. I was going to ask framework. about that, if you had actually consulted with her on any of those messages. Yep. We are testing three messages in the Pennsylvania primary 
uh, which is our first program this year, but because of redistricting, it is not clear when the Pennsylvania primary will be. Um, it's supposed to be on May 17th. If it gets moved back, we'll um, adjust our timing and actually launch that program accordingly. But um, that's exa an example of the type of innovating that we do is we're working partnering with the Notch and Corsario to test three messages, and then we'll measure which of them was the most effective at, um, at turning out voters in that primary race. I will have this in the show notes for people, but for listeners, where can people go to sign up for the event? They can go to the, they can sign up at the event on um, Progressive Turnout uh, Project's Mobilize page. And the best place will be to look in the, in the show notes for that. You know, since you mentioned the Progressive uh, Turnout Project, which Postcards to Swing States is now affiliated with, tell us a little bit about them and some of the volunteer opportunities that they offer. So Progressive Turnout Project, which now, you know, we're part of Progressive Turnout Project with Postcards of Swing States, is actually the largest voter contact organization in the country. Um, and it's, you know, they do direct voter contact through knocking doors, having face-to-face -face conversations with voters, and some other really innovative new programs um, in terms of fellowships, where they have sort of people working with um, candidates in their campaigns and then a community mobilizers program, which is really innovative that allows people to sort of tap in and, and really expand the reach that they can have in their community. So, um, you know, a lot of money in politics goes directly on TV, right? And one of the things I love about postcards is that we're actually leveraging volunteers and talking to voters. Um, and that's a perfect fit for Progressive Turnout Project, which you know, it's mostly a paid model of, of sort of staff having face-to-face -face conversations. And we all know face-to-face -face conversations are just a phenomenal way to engage voters. Um, I will just in closing say uh, that you have, uh, as I mentioned, been posting a, a lot about you know messaging, kind of changing people's attitudes. You recently tweeted that you wanted people to share three things, what brings you hope, what you're fighting for, and what you're grateful for. So I'll just ask you the last one. What are you grateful for? I am most, I get, I get, I get choked up, but um, sorry, can you ask me that again? Because I'm going to try to do it without choking up. <laughs> no, it's fine. I actually, I think choking up <laughs> is fine, dude. Please continue. I'm, I'm grateful for the tens of millions, especially women in this country, that came together. I'm going to try to do it without choking up. Like it's, it's too <laughs> awkward for me. Sorry. I, uh, I can do it. I promise. It's, 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 it is totally cool. I honestly, I feel like it's such an honest and raw moment. I, I, I hate to cut it. You know, it's like, this is, just, I, I feel the same way. I'm as, I'm as, as, as moved by it as you are, man. Um, well, I, I will ask you one more time. So, you know, you've, you've really been working a lot to, to kind of change people's attitudes, as we mentioned, to motivate people. And you recently tweeted that people should share three things to uplift. What brings you hope? What are you fighting for? And what are you grateful for? So I'm just going to ask you the last one before we go. What are you grateful for? You know, I'm most grateful for the, you know, the tens of millions of especially women that came together, <laughs> excuse me, I get choked up, and they, they created a blue wave that gave us a democratic trifecta. And I'm still so optimistic about that just power that we have in grassroots groups all across this country. And we, we are looking for extra motivation um, but we really just need the discipline at this point to fight for each other and just to keep it up because look at what we've done. 
I think I may a little choked up. <laughs> um, yeah, look at what we've done is right. Um, I, I will just say for my part uh, that I'm incredibly grateful to all the people who listen to this program and who are going to be out there doing the work. Uh, you are the ones who really make the difference, and, and I, I, I could not be more grateful for you. And, and Reed, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for all the work that you do, man. I'll just say one more time, your event is Thursday, January 27th, 5 p.m. Pacific, with the amazing Annette Shanker Asario. Uh, Reed McCollum, it is always awesome to talk to you, man. Come back whenever. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you for all you do. And that's going to do it for this week. If you want to see a video replay of this or any of our shows, head to facebook.com slash indivisible podcast. The email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at indivisible pod. My thanks to Michelle Solberg. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.